0: Jewish faith makes many a bold claim about God's nature, unchanging and in a state of complete unity, simple yet omnipotent. He is unknowable and yet he is aware of us with complete omniscience. In other words, he is a godlike being. But how is this known to us? Is it simply a matter of faith? Or did he leave us the clues to discover all those things about him? I'm Avi Cohen and this is Jewish Thought Flow. Hey guys, and welcome to the third installment of proving God's attributes. In the first installment, we first let you know what were God's attributes. He's unchanging, unknowable, unified, omnipotent, omniscient. In the second installment, we began a proof trying to demonstrate all of these things. In the proof, we noticed there was a problem with all of existence. The problem with all existence is that all concepts, and existence is made up of concepts, right? Chairs, tables, computers podcasts those are all concepts blue yellow white all different concepts the problem with concepts is that each concept is by definition made up of two other concepts those two other concepts we explained were we explained was what the particular concept is and then that that it is real and those were the two things that it's made up of its realness plus what it is and that applies to every single concept you can come up with therefore we were a little confused as to how any concepts came about because a concept cannot be the building block of reality because it itself needs two other concepts. Hence, you're never going to have any concepts to build because in order to have a concept, you need concepts. I'm sure you noticed the problem. In this installment, we're going to try to get to a solution. So again, the problem is the concepts, right? Concepts are the problem. This is going to force us to get to a rather radical proposal which is that a concept is not which is responsible for everything, right? You were thinking the building block of all reality is probably a concept. It's not. It can't be. Because a concept needs two other concepts. And this will go on forever. So what is the building block for all reality? Well, the building block for all of reality is actually a conceptless reality. What do I mean by that? It's a conceptless reality that is responsible for all of existence. There's not a facet of existence which is not caused, allowed to be sustained, and completely created by this conceptless reality. Now, you may be asking if the basis for everything is conceptless, then how do we have concepts? Right? I mean, obviously, something can't come from nothing. So, if no concepts existed, then how did concepts come about? Right? No concepts would mean it doesn't have the ability to create concepts because that would already be a concept. So if it really has zero concepts, conceptless in its totality, then how would concepts ever come about? If it's stage A, there are no concepts, then they wouldn't come from anywhere. The answer to this question will help us further clarify what we mean when we say a conceptless reality is responsible for everything. When we say a conceptless reality, we don't mean reality that is devoid of concepts. Your brain is probably already freaking out here. I'm going to use two terms which sound almost identical, but you're going to notice the difference as we explain it. One of those terms will never be able to be put in words for a particular reason. So you're going to just have to feel the concept out, and concept is also a bad way of describing it. Okay, so despite the name suggestion of a concept, a concept, a reality devoid of concepts, such a reality is also a concept. After all, it has a content. What is that content? It is devoid of concept. That's a description of its reality. That would make it different from the content of a reality of concept, right? So a, a reality devoid of concepts would be different than a reality that has concepts, It would be different in content. However, they would both share the same uh, characteristic of both being real ideas, right? The fact that something is lacking a concept is just as real as something having a concept, which would make both of them concepts which would run into the same problem that we're trying to avoid. It itself would require two unique concepts, right? That which it is, which makes it... That which a devoid of concepts world... Makes it different than a world which has concepts. That which that makes it different is what it is, and the fact that they're both real, both a world of concepts and a world of non-concepts, would both be reality. Real concepts would then make each of them have two concepts, which would run into the problem. So, what do we mean by a conceptless reality? What we mean by a conceptless conceptless reality. It is that it is no more lacking concept than having concept, because both of those terms meaning the absence of concept and the acquisition or the containing of concepts are both themselves concepts they both describe a situation they both allow the rational mind to understand a distinction from it and any other situation that is a concept in other words it is the this conceptless reality is the common denom- denominator between concept and lack of concept meaning there is no conception of this reality it even lacks the conceptions that the absence of conception provides, right? It's, I can't even say I don't know it, because to say I don't know it is already saying that it is different than that which I know, and that is a concept, because then I could divide it into two categories, that which I know and that which I don't know, and then they both would be real. So that underlying reality, which shares both unique concept is that's the reality we're talking about, a non-concept reality, not the absence of a concept, because that is a concept. So like I said, you can't put this into terms, because that's already making it a concept. So it's going to be a reality that by definition you cannot define, you cannot put it into a concept. And even saying that you can't put it into concept is not to say, as opposed to being able to put it into a concept, because that itself would be a concept. It is not a concept, it's not the absence of a concept, they're both boxed into a definition, Once that happens, they both are concepts, and it will have a what it is, its content, and that it is, the fact that it's real. Okay, so assuming this constable reality exists, and it's not an assumption because we've proven it, but running with that, which we have proven, how does this help us? Right? How does this new explanation help us? So our problem was how we go from a conceptless reality to a reality of concepts, right? We were wondering, well, if the original reality is conceptless, then how do we get to a reality which is full of concepts, right? How do I have chairs, tables, and all the nice concepts that we're used to? So we were making a mistake. When we heard concept, conceptless reality, which is not a real word, which is why I'm having trouble pronouncing it, obviously, we thought absence of concept. When we heard conceptless reality, we thought absence of concept. Therefore, we had no idea how concept could emerge from absence of concept. But in truth, the underlying reality is not devoid of a concept. It's just not a concept. But it's not the absence of it either. Therefore, from this reality, anything can emerge. For nothing is outside the scope of its existence. Right? It's not the opposite of a concept, and it's not the opposite of not a concept. Let me give you an example of how this works. If I was a craftsman, and the only material I had was metal, I could only make metal objects, correct? As long as I had the tools to make those objects, and I just had metal, right? We're focusing in on the ingredients. If my only ingredient for the tools I make or the things I make is metal, then by definition, the only things I will make is metal objects. If, however, I had the concept solids as my material i.e. anything that could produce a solid object, I would be able to make all solids. I would not, however, be able to make liquids, because liquids cannot be made with solid. They can only be made with that which can make liquids. Now, if I had atoms as my material, and atoms make up all physical reality, I'd be able to form all the physical reality. If I had, let's call it, divine material, which God used to create heaven and earth, spirituality and physicality, and I had access to that, I would be able to create all of existent reality. So you see the pattern? The more abstract the material, the more I can create. Meaning the more things that my material is responsible for, the more things I can create with that material. If you find the common denominator between all the things that exist and made a material out of that common denominator, I would be able to create all that exists. Now, this concept does not only apply to material when you're making things. It also applies to forms, right? As we know, all physical things are made up of both matter and form, the material and the shape it makes. The material is the matter, and the shape that that material is going to take in order to be what it's going to be, the object is going to be. Like, for example, wood that is shaped as a chair will become a chair, The material would be the wood, the shape would be the chairness, or the shape of a chair, and then you'll have your object. So let's take the metal again, and I'm the metal craftsman. Imagine if I had metal and the shape circle, so then I could only create circles. If I had metal and shapes, meaning the ability to create all shapes, then I can create all shapes. The lesson is the same. The more abstract the material I'm working with, whether that material is the matter or the form of what I'm trying to create, the more things I have access to create. Now, let's bring that to what we're talking about. If the underlying reality is a concept, if the underlying reality of all existence is a concept, which we know it cannot be anyways, then all I will be able to create with that is concepts. I can't create conceptless reality or reality devoid of concepts with concepts, the only material I have is concepts, I can't cause them to go away. Because all of their going away would be made with concepts, which would make them conceptual. If the underlying reality I have is devoid of concept, then all I can create is a reality devoid of concepts. I cannot create concepts if I don't have concepts. If, however, the underlying reality is really devoid of concept, even devoid of being devoid, It has no concept. Anytime you think something is defined, then we're not talking about it anymore, which means you can't really talk about it. You just have to know that it's there because we've proven it, but you can't talk about it because as soon as you talk about it, you're talking about a concept, and therefore you're not talking about what we want you to talk about. This will not be able to be imagined in any sense. Don't even try. You just kind of have to feel it. You kind of have to know it. From understanding the proof and realizing that it just has to be the case, even though I cannot put my finger on it, because by definition, by putting my finger on it, it's already not what we're talking about anymore. So if I have that material to create whatever I wanted, then I can create anything. I can create conceptual reality, I can create conceptless reality, and anything else my heart would desire, because I have the reality that is has zero boundaries. It is not a concept, so it's not excluded from non-concept. It's not a non-concept, so it's not excluded from concepts. Within concepts, it's not any particular thing, so it's not excluded from any other concept. It's not a chair, so it can't be a table. It's not metal, so it can't be plastic. It's none of those things, but it's not the absence of those things, so it could be any of those things. This underlying reality is what we religious folk would like to call God. So what we've done here is we've proven the existence of an underlying reality to everything that is responsible for everything, for all of reality, for all of existence, that it itself is conceptless to the extreme of what we mean by conceptless. List, list. How exactly we're going to in all the attributes that we say God has for seemingly saying those things about God would make him into concepts will be the subject of the fourth and final installment of Proving God's Attributes. I hope you like this episode, and I hope you share it and subscribe to Future Ones.